But here, on the very rim of known space, justice is a long way away. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian. Joining me, as always, is your co-host, Spaz. Hello. Your co-host, Julie. Hey, how you doing? (laughs) Your co-host, Thorsten. Thorsten. Buddy. Buddy. Oh, no. (laughs) There he is. And your co-host, Jacob. Right now, I feel like I could take on the whole empire by myself. What is that from? I know that. What is that from? That's, that's Star Wars. Star okay. Wars. I, mm, sorry, my brain is mush today. Uh, apologies. So, my friends, we have a guest today joining us from uh, Denver, Colorado, to talk about his PC and mobile space adventure game, Milliken's Reach. Uh, Andrew Watson, thank you uh, so much for taking time out of your day to join us today, Andrew. Thank you for having me. Now, uh, I first discovered your game, God, I don't remember. Was it when you joined the Discord or or a little bit I think it was before. Yeah, I, I, saw, I saw a comment you left somewhere on the Itch mm. page, and that's actually what prompted me to join the Discord. Oh, yeah, so. I think someone in my Discord posted a link of it, and then that's what led me to it. So um, for folks who don't know what Milliken's Reach, can you give folks the uh, elevator pitch? Uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Milliken's Reach is a, uh, open world. Sorry. Oh, I had the stream going in another window. Uh, I got all mixed up. Oh, you were hearing yourself. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, I get that. (laughs) Excellent. We've gone and fixed that now. Uh, so yeah, elevator pitch. Milliken's Reach is an open world space shooter game, uh, intended to be a super stripped back, super pick up and play, super lightweight sort of emulation of the overall space sim concept. Uh, So it's got all the usual mechanics, like some trading, some bounty hunting, some mission running, asteroid mining, that kind of thing. But I put a lot of emphasis on making it super, super quick and easy to pick up and learn and just sort of throw yourself at. Though, admittedly, because of that, by sheer conversion evolution, it seems to have come out a bit like a simpler freelancer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, There's a lot of freelancer in it. Um, and which, is no, a which is of, not a bad uh, thing. Sorry, that is not. That's correct. A com- that's a compliment. <laughs> in our opinion. Oh, I yeah, I appreciate hearing that because there's there's definitely I intended to have a lot of freelancer in it. There's also a lot of. Um, so when I was a kid. Probably like like 2011, 2012, 2013, around there, oh my I God. was super into this other mobile space shooter called Galaxy on Fire 2. Yes. Yes, and we there's love a ton, that. There's a ton of that in this game as well. Oh, I see it now. Yeah, no, we love, uh, well, the first two Galaxy on Fire games. Let's be clear. Oh, we love well, the, yeah, the third one. one so, there, okay, there Milliken's was. Reach is actually, it's kind of a funny story. In many ways, Milliken's Reach is a direct response to Galaxy on Fire 3. Um, <laughs> throughout, like, uh, high school, I had a lot of programming experience, but with the fact that I was on a robotics team and stuff, and Galaxy on Fire 3 comes out, and I was not super enamored with it. No. And uh, <laughs> I, I kind of I looked at it, and I looked at like the fact that Unity existed, and I'm like, I kind of feel like I could make a better Galaxy on Fire game. <laughs> and you already have, sir. <laughs> Fine, I'll do well, it myself. You already well, just, have. For, just for a quick history lesson, um, Galaxy on Fire 1 and, 2, 1 and 2 were developed by the same team. 
Galaxy on Fire 3 was effectively a different team because yeah. after 2, uh, the the bulk of the developer uh, group left and then they started their own company, which eventually developed Everspace 1 and 2. Which yeah. are yeah. good. Which I've are... heard that. Everspace 2 is one of my favorites right now. I'm really enjoying it. Oh, so good. I uh, they, they keep at, I can't wait till it's done. They keep adding amazing stuff to it. And, uh, yeah, I've been it, holding oh. off on the new story content. Yeah, um, yeah, me too. I don't yeah. know if I'm really gonna be uh, if I'm gonna have the wherewithal to totally hold off from doing that until 1.0, but I'm at least holding off until the uh, summer update. Yeah, I, 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 I like. I worry about with early access games. I worry about burning out on them before they're done. And whatnot. yeah, that's always that, my problem. Yeah. So, and I totally, eas- I so easily could. I so easily could. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was one of the Starpoint Gemini games that taught me not to do that. But, but, um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I get the F you to galaxy on fire three. Cause that was after it was two, not good. it was not good. It was not folks. If you're curious, like, like if you played galaxy on fire one and two and you like those and you're like, wait, there was a three. Yeah, there was, and don't seek it out. Just, just don't. It was, it was one of those single-player games that had enough of an online component that you literally can't play it anymore. Oh, like uh, they shut down no, the servers. No, for reference, let's use units of measurement. We all, we all regrettably understand on a scale of one to Freelancer Two. How bad was it? Freelancer Two. There was a Freelancer Two. Wait, I think you mean something else. What? Not freelance it. Not freelance it. Too. Free Wait, space two. Not fr- no. Privateer two. Was- Thank you. Oh. <laughs> oh. Um. Okay. I would say on a scale of one to privateer two, it ranks about. Ooh. It ranks a, it, it ranks about a Jacob Star, a renegade battle for Jacob Star, on the, on that okay, scale. Okay, got it. Uh, so, so your Fire so 2 was similarly open world to what I've done with Millikan's Reach, uh, in that you had a bunch of like discrete locations and orbits that each had like a station and then a whole bunch of ships around them that you could interact with in various ways. Which um, is coincidentally what Freelancer did. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's great. It's it's honestly, I feel like it's kind of a winning formula. I love it. It is a winning um, formula. It's so many people still play freelancer. So many people still mod freelancer. So it's a I, winning I still formula. have Galaxy and Fire Two on my phone. I still boot it up and play it from time to time. It's a great. It's time. a winning formula because it allows you to funnel the player towards places where stuff happens, which is one of the big problems with a lot of the space sims that try and take a more realistic bent to it. Is space is really big and it's very easy to get lost in, and there's a lot of empty space to it, and there's a lot of bugger all in between. Yes. Yeah, and, exactly. and Freelancer did a great job with like funneling you where you need to be, plus having a little bit of the bugger all to make space yes. feel just big enough. You're like, oh, there, there, was, that was an, the cool thing about it. Yeah, there's an ice field over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's an ice field over there. What's going on over there? Oh, no, a pirate base. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we, we, we love. I don't, I don't have anything quite that cool, but I do have some loose plans for a. Um, so all of my stations, currently I have like two loose types of location. I'm calling them sectors, even though it doesn't quite make a ton of sense. Um, <laughs> each, of these, each of these locations has, generally it's either a place that has a station or a place that has an asteroid field right now. 
And um, because one that's of the tough. that I'm one of the things that I'm looking at doing in the future is I have plans for another planet in the system where you're going to have like one location that has just a research base in high orbit of the planet. And there'll be a gate that takes you into the rings of the planet, which are super spooky and super dark and super Ooh. cloudy. And lightning. And you remember the I Badlands like the Freelancer? That sounds great. Remember the, remember the what in Freelancer? The Badlands in Freelancer. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, very much like that. Oh. Um, and the idea is that there's like some ancient alien tech that's been corrupting the area. And I'm gameplay wise, I'm looking at having a bunch of like pseudo random like branching paths into a bunch of more or less random sectors in there for Ooh. something a bit more explory and a bit more not roguelikey, but kind of in that direction. Ooh, hey. that, that yeah. makes stuff. And, and there's there's going to be like a great big pirate like capital base in in there somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. Oh, 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 that makes me all tingly. I love the idea of that kind of like Eve wormhole branching, kind of not knowing yeah, where you're much, going. Very thing. much wormholey. And yes. uh, yeah. yeah, I don't have any timeline on that, but it's something oh. I've been playing with in my head for a while, <laughs> and it's definitely in the cards. That's a great idea, dude. That is a great. It sounds great. I'll be honest, the wormholes were the part of Eve Online I liked the most. I'm still. Uh, oh, agree. Maybe not mad, but. Disappointed in myself in retrospect that I haven't tried to join up with like a, a wormhole corp instead of I instead I just wound up just shooting a bunch of bees. Well, the uh, thing the thing with wormholes is they're great for a while, and then like everything else in Eve, really, it starts feeling like work, and you're like, okay, I'm not interested anymore. Fair. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Eve is Eve is one of those things. I have an alpha account, so because I I don't love it enough to justify paying for it. Yeah, yeah and I've. But, Get out um, of it myself because and also they increased the subscription price which pissed off oh a what, of a, what a dumb wait move. how much did they increase it to i think from like 15 to 20 dollars yeah it's, oh, wow. it's it's now the most expensive mmo on the market well now i'm definitely not gonna <laughs> you had a ton I, of other people <laughs> yeah yeah uh, i mean i've yeah. i've it's the kind of thing that I like dive into for like a week every year or two, just because I do keep coming back to it. It does like the market system is extremely cool. And I've had some really, really nifty moments with that, but it's not. Eve's the kind of game that I'm more glad it exists than I am that I can play it. Yes. <laughs> good, yeah. Very, very good to put it. I'm glad it's there and that people like it. I love reading stories from it, but to play it. Yeah. No, thank you. I, I don't yeah, have that kind of time or patience. <laughs> exactly. It's 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 the kind of thing that really, really, really would have been my thing if I'd found it in middle school. Oh God, right? Like I okay, I was fifteen a long time ago. And but if Eve Online came out when I was fifteen, that's all I would have played. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and Eve Online came out it was in oh three, so I was like four, but I just wasn't into MMOs when I was well, that age. Think about, okay, so for a barometer, I tried to get into Eve when I was fifteen and I failed spectacularly. Oh wow. Okay. I was a weird I was a weird 15-year-old. I think I would have loved it. I'm also I'm I also mean, think I, sorry, I'm also thinking in the the lens of I was 15 in 1988? No. 5. The no, fact you can't six. tell is is indicative of enough that it's been a while I back. Was I 15? <laughs> 1988. So, if Eve Online, if a thing like Eve Online came out in 1988, yeah, that would have been the only thing I played. But no. <laughs> That was before. I, I'm pretty sure that was before we had internet stable enough for MMOs. 
That was pre like Ultima Online. I mean, the closest thing you oh, could get was like the, the closest thing you can get was like Trade Wars on a BBS, or or like uh, uh, no, that hands was later. up. Who knows what that is? Uh, Chat hands up. <laughs> I'm sure there are some. I'm sure there are Nothing. people. I'm sure there are people I'm old enough to, to know. Apologize. I'm sure there are people old enough to remember bulletin board systems and trade wars. Uh, I'm sure. Thank oh, you. Luke. No, look, raise Thank hand. you. Thank you. Uh, I knew I was alone here. <laughs> <laughs> two. Two. You know, I know I'm not the typical Eve player because I played for six years and my favorite part of the game was always the industry and the trading. And that's what I was happy to see in your game because I said, wow, it's my favorite part of the game, but nobody's trying to blow me out of the sky. And I mean, if it's an NPC, that's one thing, but you know, I just, that's, that's part of a lot of space games that I enjoy rather than the uh, PVP or somebody shooting at me part. Yeah, no, it's um having having a commercial component in the trading and the mining and stuff was very much one of the things where when I started putting fingers to keyboard on this, I'm like, okay, I have to have it mainly because Galaxy on Fire 3 didn't. <laughs> so um and it's I, kind was, of- I was that was actually the first bit of gameplay that I implemented way back in like twenty seventeen or so. I had um I had all of one commodity, and it was titanium, and I had two space stations that trade between the two of them. I'm like, okay, this is actually quite fun. I'm having having a good time with this. This is this is a good sign. Yeah, I, I oh, go ahead. When I logged on, the first thing I did when I found that there was trade, I said, okay, gonna be an alcohol runner because it said it sells well. So that's the first thing I started doing when I logged on to the game. Alcohol's probably. It may well be the most profitable thing to trade. It's oh, really? I'll keep it in mind. Ooh, it's either that or computers. Ooh, good to know. Uh, I'm I, computers. All a man needs in life. Yeah, I think those to be pretty I, profitable if you went to the right places and did your mining yourself. Oh, what was the pro- what was profitable? Space? Gemstones. Oh, gemstones. If you if you go mining and you get gemstones, uh, they can sell for up to about twelve hundred. Yeah, gemstones and uranium are the best way to make money on the mining front. Which yeah, I like. Definitely. And I really I like tried how you- getting into mining in that game, and it's... I mean, I liked it more than trading, because I do not have the patience and the effort to just run back and forth between stations and take notes what prices are where. Yeah, well, one, yeah, I get that. Well, one thing I did like, though, is, like, there, there's a kind of a... It's it's not a direct one to one, but you can easily see when you're looking at the the things like you have these arrows pointing up and down, and when an arrow is pointing like double down, you're like I'm gonna buy that because I'm sure it'll sell well somewhere, you know. So I like yeah, that, that was that Sorry, was go- kind of a um, we'll say compromise. Uh, a lot of people wanted early on a lot of people wanted more detailed trading tools. Like some some people were like, oh, could I get like a price history? Where where I've seen it, like a list of what sells where for what for how much, and I'm like, yeah, I feel like that kind of ruins the fun. Uh, I like having a bit of you this have to kind of learn the area exactly. Um, so I ended up I ended up going with the indicators of like this is a big price, this is a small price, just in case you know, just so you can at a glance know like this is probably a good place to buy. 
If you have a list of what everything sells for, that takes all the fun out of establishing a trade route, which is a large part of when games have trading in it. That's, you know, part of the thing, like whether it's in No Man's Sky or EVE Online, you know, that's one of the things that's like, can you share your trade route with me? It's a, not a chance. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, what, what I would like to see, it would be sure. an average price for what a, a particular good is when you look at the details of it, because oh. you might see the, the, the arrows going up or down, but not necessarily what the base price might be or an average price galaxy wide. And then figure yeah, out whether or not this might actually be a good deal for the system you're in. Yeah, I could, I could definitely, I could definitely hook that up fairly, fairly trivially actually. So uh, oh, the way that trading works under the hood is, each commodity has a base price, and then there's a pseudo-random modifier applied to it based on the economy type of the station you're at. And that modifies that modifies the price and it modifies the quantity that's available. So it's not super complicated, but uh, it achieves the desired but, goal. It but this game isn't meant to be. to be super complicated. It's not X4. Exactly, it's it's exactly. not EVE Online, you know? It's And that's fine. Like, one thing, tr- Freelancer, which we speak of highly of course one thing it failed at completely was trade like yes like freelancers was, trading was i never was, could learn it i wanted to but i couldn't there's no point there's no dy- there's no dynamic or ra- there's no dynamic economy there at all there's no point to learning it the, the the only thing you really do should do with trade in that game unless it's modded uh is just sell the stuff you found out in the out in the out in the world that's the only thing trade does that's the only I thing Really great time with uh, one of my friends, not on Discovery. I think we did this on Vanilla Freelancer. Um, we had a private server going, and it was just the two of us cruising around, uh, cruising around the serious sector. And we we did a lot of good card of mine. We'd find like huge stores of it on some wrecks somewhere, and then like I'd go forward and I'd scout ahead and I'd tell them like, "Oh, security's kind of out of the way. You might have a clear route through." And that was always a great time. I enjoy yeah. smuggling mechanics and games. Yeah. Yeah. Usually they're either completely underdone or you get detected once and die. <laughs> it's it's one of those things I would very much like to implement in Millican's Reach if I can come up with a way of doing it that I think feels right. Um, and part of those. So, okay, I have this other plan down the line for. Um, so right now, the reputation reputation system does let you side with the pirates. It's just difficult and awkward to get there. And one of the things <laughs> right. that I'm planning on doing is having uh, like a persistent NPC at one of the stations who you can use as a contact to go join the pirate faction. And um, I'm thinking maybe as part of the part of the pseudo quest line involved with that, maybe I'll implement some kind of black market access at certain stations. Ooh, you know, I I wanted to bring a point that was brought up earlier as far as uh, how easy it is to get into a game. And when I first started years and years ago, back when it was young, I guess I played Eve Online for six years. But like I said, it was I I enjoy the trading part of the game, but it was really difficult to get into. And I I reached the point where I said, you know. 
I've already got a college degree. I don't want to have to have another one just to learn how to play a game. And there are games on my computer and there are even games on my Switch where I said, you know, I just want to have fun and I'm done. And I just take it off the computer, take it off. the. But this is one of those games where I feel like I can just say I've got a few minutes here in between people boring me to death in meetings where I can just bring it up and wait for the Zoom meeting to start and do a little trading and have a little fun. And I brought it and I I, I wanna preface my comment by saying this is meant as a good thing. I brought it up before the show started. There are some games that I just enjoy more mobile. And I think they'd lend themselves to it more. And I know that you said you developed it with that in mind. And it has nothing to do with the graphics because I love the graphics. I love the neon colors. I really dig on it. But this is one of those things where I said, wow, I really love playing this mobile. And that's why I'm going to say, can you bring it out and switch online tomorrow? Would that be okay? Tomorrow might be a bit of a stretch. Uh, I, I definitely switch is something that I've thought would be an extremely cool thing to be able to do uh, down the line. I'm not super sure what the process involved in that is. I understand that you have to get like the uh, you have to get the libraries for Switch development for Unity directly from Nintendo. Oh, and takes effort. Yeah, and to my knowledge, Nintendo tends to only really give those to people who've already demonstrated commercial success in some capacity on other platforms. Uh, I haven't looked too hard into it. I haven't actually like applied for it or anything. But depending on how things go in the future, I'd definitely like to look into it. Well, Another thing that I'd like to do is iOS, because right now, as far as mobile goes, it's Android exclusive. And I've got a lot of friends with iPhones who are like, dude, when can I play your game? <laughs> well, lie to the Nintendo Corporation. I've got a Switch Lite that I would just love to just have that game on it and just label Milliken's Reach across the top. Oh, lovely! Yeah, no, I'd love to. I'd love to give it that port, and I feel like it'd be a pretty natural fit. I was, um, I was implementing keybinding customization last night, and I only have like you have the X and Y for flight controls, and those are the only axes that you really care about. Uh, there's the throttle, uh, but that's just throttle up, throttle down as far as keybindings go. I have only about nine buttons that would actually need to be bound which works pretty well for the switch yeah yeah that'd be great on the switch and there aren't a ton of space games on the switch there are not that's something that's been kind of kind of irritating me is like there's the original everspace there's um rebel galaxy rebel galaxy outlaw yeah yeah i was i blanked on the name for a while which is a shame because i quite like that it's uh I really enjoyed it. And then there's like oh, it's really good. And then there's like Space Commander, which is kind of like Rebel Galaxy Outlaw. Uh, yeah, vaguely. And Galaxy, Galaxy on Fire Three Manticore. is actually still on the Switch. What? It is. Yeah, and I'm given to understand that it's an offline version that doesn't have microtransactions. Oh, for God! Oh, I'm still. Which, I'm, which to me is proof that they could have done it, done that on mobile. Still, they just not, chose not to. I'm not giving yeah. them money. I'm not giving them any money. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I um just for the sake of uh we'll call it archiving. Um I picked it up when it went on sale for like two bucks because I'm like, eh. I guess I'd kinda rather access to it than not because the ships are pretty. 
Oh, it's called Manticore on the Switch. Yeah, they they rebranded it for the Switch for some reason. Yeah, it's super weird. Super weird. Hey, guys, enjoy eight plus hours of playtime. Eight plus. Eight. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe a few more. Wow. (laughs) Why would you write it like that? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's so dumb. Yeah, I've wishlisted it too. If it goes down to like one ninety nine, then I'll pick it up. You know, because why not? Yeah. You know, <laughs> it did that a while ago, and that's why I have. Um, and it's <laughs> in some ways, it's worth. Like, I'm not going to say that it's no fun at all because if it were, if it didn't call itself a Galaxy on Fire game and I called it something else, I think it would be a totally acceptable. Like, you know, those games that we all played when we were kids, that just random nonsense that were <laughs> maybe super, maybe not like objectively great from like a, like a game design standpoint, but oh man, were they fun? I could see this have easily become one of those for me if it weren't connected to the Galaxy on Fire brand. But with that connection, it's like, well, I mean, this game's objectively like super inferior to one that came right before it. It kind of seems like the Master of Orion 3 to Master of Orion 2 and 1. It seems like... That is quite the scathing uh, <laughs> it's condemnation. Or the, or the Star Control 3 to the Star Control 2 and 1. Just an inferior third product in a much-beloved series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't entire, I wouldn't disagree with that. You know, one of the things I wanted to ask you, and... I think that not enough people talk about the uh, about the person behind the game enough, and that's one of the things that always interests me. And uh, you talked about saying, "Well, I think I can do Galaxy on Fire better." Did you just wake up one day and say, "You're playing Galaxy on Fire," and I said, "I can do better. I'm going to learn how to program games." Uh, where did it all start for you? So, okay, I. Um... I've always been kind of leaning in more of a technical direction. Um, and I was mostly steered there with like things like Star Trek and all that. Um, in high school, I developed, I, I was uh, one of the programmers on my robotics team. So I learned Java through there. Uh, and I didn't start work on Millikan's Reach until the summer between my senior year of, of high school and my freshman year of college. So I had about four years of experience in Java by the time I really decided, you know what, I think I can do this. And I'd kind of always wanted to make a video game because, hey, video games are fun and making things is fun. So what if I, what if I made a video game? That'd be fun. <laughs> um, and I don't know. It was, it was very much kind of a wake up one morning and go, you know what, I want to actually put fingers to keyboard and really try this and see how it would work. And I... Downloaded and installed Unity, looked at the interface, went, oh my god, what is that? Uh, <laughs> pulled up their website, dug through a couple tutorials. Uh, there was one that was super, super handy and super, super great, and they called it like the Rollaball tutorial. And effectively, the idea was it walked you through making a game where you have a ball and a platform, and there's a bunch of little pickups floating around the ball. And you can roll the ball around, and if you pick up all the pickups, a little text thing flashes up on the screen and says you win. And it's a super, super basic tutorial, but it teaches you how the inspector works. It teaches you how Unity scripting works. Uh, I think it even had some bits about the particle system. And it was very much the kind of thing that I'm like, okay, I completed this. It took me like three hours to throw together and get through this tutorial. 
and now I feel like I have the skills to at least try and make a spaceship fly through an empty zone. And I did that, and then from there, it's basically just been building on top of it. Uh, I remember early on, I took a bit of... Um, I would tell people that I was kind of loosely emulating... You know how Star Citizen for a while was doing the whole, oh, we're, in, we're introducing the whatever module, where it's like, this is a set of gameplay systems that we're just introducing as a single module. I kind of took that idea, and I was like, okay, so I'm going to do a flight model, and then I'm going to do trading, and then I'm going to do NPCs, and then I'm going to do combat with those NPCs, and so on and so forth. Basically, I added gameplay mechanics in very very discrete modules, and I kind of treated each of them like their own like their own mini-project in a way. Hmm. Okay. Well, Torsten told me that you were doing this by yourself, and when I find out an indie developer is like all on his lonesome out there, that's when I, I look at the screen and say, wow, respect. It's definitely... I've been working on it for years. I started it in 2017, so this summer will be five years. And um, it's very much been the kind of thing that, like, I like having a big project to work on in my free time because I don't have a ton going on other than that. Uh, so I kind of enjoyed being able to have something to fall back on in between classes, in between, like, on breaks and stuff, and be like, okay, here's a technical thing that I can just sort of grind away at without having to having to care too badly about a deadline or a grade. But that, that's nice. So it's it's a passion project, really. Yeah, yeah, basically. And, like, I sell it, but it's not... There's a lot of decisions that I made that I think I would not have made if I were trying to make, make too hard of a profit as an uh, indie developer like some time. Because, yeah. like, mobile games that are premium don't usually sell too well. They don't make huge amounts of money. Um, there's a reason the free-to-play market took over and dominated everything, especially on Android. Uh, <sighs> And space games are niche enough, and mobile space games are double niche. But it's what I wanted to make, so this is it's fun this way. Well, you know, when my writing teacher uh, in the UAE, when we started talking about my latest passion, she said, well, you know, are you doing something to be famous? Are you doing this to entertain yourself and maybe a few other people? And I think that's when I really respect somebody the most was they say, yeah, I'm doing this because I enjoy it. And, uh, well, double respect, I guess. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's been, it's been great fun. I've, uh, game development's become probably my favorite hobby. It's a great time. It, so do you do something full time? Where is this? Yeah, I do. Hobby? I am, uh, I'm an, I'm an aerospace engineer. Oh, damn. <laughs> my, uh, my brother-in-law is also in aerospace engineering. He works for Northrop Grumman, and he can't tell me what he does. Ah, <laughs> oh, sweet. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I get that. <laughs> Coincidentally, I have a friend that works in BAE. So, same category, just a different country. Is that, oh, I uh, think BAE, is that, is that British I think aerospace BAE's, engineering? Yes. Okay. I think they sponsored my robotics team back in high school. No. Oh. <laughs> They actually do that a lot, I've heard. BAE does a lot of like internships and a lot of sponsorships for people. They really yeah, went like extra hard into uh, appealing to people, I guess. 
I feel like we had a BAE system sticker on our robot. <laughs> yeah, even, yeah. Even though you're not British at all? <laughs> no, not in the least. <laughs> so they're talking about the... Oh, go ahead, Thorsten. Uh, so it has come uh, up a, a, a pretty uh, many times by now in the chat. And uh, I want to ask you uh, what... What inspired you to use this art style? Because uh, I love it, and uh, it looks like many other people love it too. And uh, I, re I really, really want to know uh, when and where, where did you decide to, uh, to do that that way? Okay, uh, so let's see. Um, when I started out with it, I had a reasonable amount of CAD experience just from engineering school and stuff like that. And I really, I played things like Space Engineers, um, sorry, not Space Engineers, uh, Astroneer was one of the things that I was looking at. And that I, I, I'm like, oh, that looks kind of cool. Maybe I'll see about doing something like that at some point. Um, and part of it was just because I kind of didn't want to bother to learn how uh, UV maps worked. I'm like, I'm just going to try something basic, some real programmer type stuff and see how it works. And as I kept iterating on it, and as I started throwing in more of the lighting and stuff, I'm like, this is actually kind of coming together. I kind of like this. This kind of works. Um, one of the things that I made very sure to pay attention to early on is... Um, so the planets in the background in the skybox objects and stuff are a bit more painterly. They're not like polygonal and low poly and meshes. They're... Mm -hmm. um, not realistic, but they're a bit more on that side. And part of that was actually inspired by... Um, so there was this game I played years ago on mobile, and I think it ended up getting a vastly expanded PC version that I'm not to look into. Uh, it was a game called Star Command, and it was a sort of vaguely FTL-like crew management thing. Um, yeah. And the ship and the crew and all that were all pixel art, but the background was like more painterly, like realistic. Oh, I played that. Yeah, um, that I thought that was kind of cool. Um, and part of why I thought that was kind of cool is I'm like, well, I mean, if you preserve the same like pixel art resolution throughout the universe and you like zoom out really far, a pixel art planet's going to start to look an awful lot like a real planet, isn't it? That's how pixels work. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's that's one of the things that I kind of. Um, I was thinking about when I started doing my skybox objects was I was like, you know, these can be a bit more on the realistic side. They can be a bit more flowy and a bit less, bit less geometric because, Hey, it's, it's who's to say it's not a super low poly planet. If you actually landed on it. Oh yeah. Star command galaxies. How much did they end up expanding that? That is the PC version. They're getting close, they've said, to uh, 1.0. Are they really? Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah, you know what's funny is that was the very first game I backed on Kickstarter way back in 20, uh, 2012. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, I mostly stayed off Kickstarter for a long time. The first game I backed on Kickstarter was Everspace 2, actually. Like that recent. There's a lot of stuff I wish I'd been around to that now. That's that's a fair 
point. I mean, also, there are a lot of games that have gone on Kickstarter and then come and went without actually hitting 1.0. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Although, I've mostly had pretty good luck with uh, early access games from what I've bought and from what I've played. I generally... And I think part of that's just because I'm not super into the like wilderness survival type games, and I know a lot of those get started and then get abandoned. Yeah, that was a whole thing. There have been a lot of them that have been abandoned. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> but I'm also one of those weirdos who liked No Man's Sky at lot, so I'm also kind of not that... I'm kind of hard to disappoint in that regard, I guess. Oh, I, I love I love No Man's Sky launch. I love it even more now. So yeah, it's I'm, a great time. We're in that same boat. I kind of I kind of burned out on it a little bit. I need to get back into it now that they've got the revised and improved combat system oh, and all that yeah, stuff. A lot, yeah, yeah. yeah I, 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 the last version, the newest version is is really great. I need to hop into that. It looks fantastic. Yeah. Totally just, just hop into the game, say Yara a lot, and play the pirate, uh, the pirate <laughs> part of the game. I mean, I love being a pirate in space games. I have a great time with that. That's it's one of the reasons why I um, wanted to make it possible to join the pirate faction. Because Galaxy on Fire 2 didn't let you do that. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be a pirate. Like, you could do piracy in that game, but you couldn't make it so that the... Uh, you couldn't make it so that the pirates actually liked you. The pirates would still shoot at you on sight, no matter how much pirating you did. You couldn't actually <laughs> join them in any meaningful sense. But I'm like, you know what? I want to be able to join the pirates. Yeah. Respectable. Not a lot of you know. Not, not a lot of games. Sorry, I just want to say this one thing. Not a lot of games do piracy really well. Um, it's either an afterthought or or whatnot. It's just not a lot of games do piracy well. So I I totally. What were you going to say? Joe? Milliken's Reach does have it. It's not, I wouldn't call it a hugely emphasized part of the game, but like you'll see big freighters that jump in and out every once in a while. And those have great big cargo canisters along the side. And you can blow those up and get the stuff inside. Hmm. And uh, doing so will lower your reputation with the uh, corporate faction and raise it with the pirates. So there was one moment in your game, a brief moment that I, that I experienced that I said, well, I really like this and I'd like to see more of, and I, I feel I should mention it. And that was in the trailer. And when I first logged on, the music you had in the background really reminded me of like Firefly, Western space opera. I don't know where you got that, but can you, can you get more of that into the game? I love that music. That was great. Yeah, no, I, I love it too. Um, so the soundtrack has been a bit of an interesting an interesting thing. Um, the menu music and the trailer track were uh, composed by a friend of mine who is a... Um, he's an aerospace engineer like myself, but he got his initial degree in music, so he has a lot of experience in that side of things. Um and just due to the way life worked out, he ended up without enough time to make me a full soundtrack. Um, so unfortunately, I'm probably not going to be getting too much more of that. But I do have another friend who's working on some new uh, new music for me. Um, Can we like he's responsible for um, the so the IMC, the corporate faction, their music. That's him. Well, maybe we can like bribe him or something to do more of that music. I really enjoyed it. 
yeah, no, I appreciate hearing that. I'll I'll pass that along. I'll pass that along to my friend. So um, also, go, ahead. Also, uh, go ahead. No, no, after you. Uh, also, what I want to mention uh, before it got forgotten is uh, I really loved your user interface. It's uh, really streamlined and uh, it's not complicated to get into compared to other games uh, in in that uh, in that field. And uh, really, I really want to to uh, um, how do I put it? I really want to. Uh, to say that I appreciate that, that very much that you that, that you've gone that way, I really really uh, like it. It's both on mobile and and on PC, uh, I've got to say I've uh, I've bought the, the mobile version uh, already a few weeks ago when the game was first uh, mentioned here on the server, and uh, it's currently my most favorite game on on, on my Android device. Oh, awesome! Thank you so much. And um, um, damn, I forgot what, what I want to what I want to ask uh, uh, further. Um, okay, maybe it comes back. I, I didn't see a list of uh, default keyboard controls. Uh, yeah. Uh, so part of why that's the case is um, so I've been working on this for like five years. Unity, when I started it, had a tool called, um, it was called like the config menu or something. And the PC build, I could tell it to, when you boot up the game, you get this config menu that pops up. And it lets you choose things like screen resolution, whether you want it windowed or full screen, and also how to do key bindings. And I'm like, oh, great. That's awesome. It tells you what the initial key bindings are. Everything looks fantastic. Everything's super clean and super nice. It's readable, it's great, it's, and it's this lovely default tool that Unity has that just pops up when you boot up the game. That'll be entirely sufficient, because I'd rather not code my own keybinding system. Years go by, um, I don't notice that they do away with that in Unity 2020. And I go to update the uh, engine and fix the associate, associated bugs related to that before release, just because it was starting to have some compatibility issues with Google Play. Uh, so I do that. I update Unity. I fix all the bugs that that causes because you know how engine upgrades are. Yeah. And then I launch the game. And what I don't notice before launching the game is that I just I just went and shipped it without the ability to see or rebind keys at all because <laughs> they they removed that functionality and I straight up didn't notice. Oh. Um, so good news. Next update to the game is gonna have that because I went and wrote that myself last night. Yeah, I, I did figure out that the D key will dock you. The D oh, key will? will dock you. Oh, I didn't yes, know that. Yes. Oh, it does? So, okay, yeah. I'm very, very sorry. Um, and this is this is one of the reasons why uh, when Julie initially mentioned the uh, preferring the mobile version, my first thought was like, oh, it's because the PC version's a little broken. Um, no, the uh, the PC version, so, okay, the default key binds, uh, slow down and speed up are S and W, mm -hmm. boost is shift, Mm -hmm. there's oh, a stop awesome. key that zeroes the throttle and that is control, control? Yeah. Uh, fires right mouse button toggling whether you are in yaw mode or roll mode is the space bar which is a way of doing things yeah um, 
it's it's kind of a holdover from the mobile version. I couldn't figure out a way to do. I wanted to have roll controls, but I couldn't figure out a way to do like add more degrees of freedom to a touch screen. Uh, so I figured having the toggle was a was a better idea than having it be like a button that you hold or an additional slider or anything weird. True, like that. but on PC it just ends up feeling janky, especially in a game where Q and E are still unused. Exactly, uh, and that's one of the. Probably down the line, I'm going to refactor things to make that happen, but that, oh, that'll, that'll require a bit of a rework of some of the way that the movement system works under like, the hood. There will inevitably be a divergence simply because different control methods require different approaches to how you control things. Having so, roll control be like you have a button that rolls left and a button that rolls right is definitely something I would want to do before any hypothetical switch release because I kind of wouldn't want to do the toggle thing if I actually did a console launch. And also yeah. on two analog sticks, it'll be much easier. Like if you exactly. want to know how 60OF uh, like uh, twin stick controls work, like there's Ace Combat, there's uh, Descent, there's there's a lot of options. Uh but yeah, there's also there's also keys to um, D is dock. Uh, when you get an in- incoming mission pop up from the side of the screen, you can answer that hail with the H. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, this is, this is something that I actually I put a lot of thought into, or not like a ton of thought into like what binding is what. But I put thought into like, hey, PC users are going to want to have this key binding, and then Unity went and deleted the entire oh, documentation a way, that I had for that. There's a way to actually uh, answer the hails. Yeah, there is. Yeah, there is. It pops up. You hit the H key. It offers you a mission. Uh, I've got like four different mission types at the moment with the plans to add more. Uh, One of those is there's pirates attacking a station. Help the defense force get rid of them. Uh, There's one of them that's like this station's running low on a certain commodity. Find some, buy it, and bring it here. Uh, There's my personal tutorial. Sorry. In the tutorial, I remember that it's saying there's a mission screen, and I could not find it. This, no matter how hard I looked. Yeah, those hails are those hails are mission offers. I see. And there's yeah. the I key, which pulls up the. You can pull up the info screen for your map, and uh, is that where that is? Oh, see, yeah, when yeah. the mission thing came up, when the mission thing came up for me, I didn't know what button it was, so I just flew to the left so the cursor would be over it and clicked it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I'm really glad that, that worked and it didn't at the very work. least. But it definitely makes it definitely makes the uh, the game experience feel a bit more jank than uh, oh, yeah. than it than it actually does. If like you know what the key bindings are, yeah, I, I found a workaround. I actually did find a workaround. I hit the space bar, so it would only toggle back to uh, to rolling the ship, and then I was able to get to the ah. You yeah. answered the hail with an aileron roll. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, you know, it's probably get a barrel roll. It didn't take me long after I kept crashing around a station the first time to find the D key. But one thing that I wanted to ask is, and it doesn't seem to be a factor now, but uh, if it ever does become a factor and someone says, just fly toward the green arrow or just fly toward the red arrow, keep in mind that, you know, some of us don't see green and red so well. Yeah, I um. So that was, uh, it was something that I completely neglected to think about until the accessibility stream you guys did a couple weeks ago. And I'm like, oh, oh no, I should really care about this. This is actually kind of important. We have have positive change in the world. Uh, I I don't, uh, I don't directly know any uh, personal friends who are 
colorblind. So I'd actually really appreciate your input on that. How do I do on that front? Yeah. See, it's not a, it's and it's not just a lot of us who are colorblind. Some people say, "Well, then how you drive?" They said, "Well, it's not. It's just if it's just the wrong shade, right? It's like I can see red and I can see green on a light, but if that's at the end of an aircraft carrier, I can't tell the difference." And um, and much to my chagrin, unfortunately, but. Um, it, that's that's why I mention it, you know, because there's, and there's different kinds of colorblindness. And I've, every now and then I come up on a game where that does keep me from playing the game. You know, just say, fly toward the green X or fly toward the red X. I said, huh? Yeah, best, yeah. No, I, I feel that. That's The best recommendation, like, for colorblindness in terms of visual and UI elements is to make as many things dependent on uh, different shapes as possible. Because shapes yeah. are fairly universal. It's it's the reason why there's a reason why the United States did it. And okay, the reason is they only ha- they could only use the color green in the in the HUDs, but uh, uh, <laughs> uh but they this basically use as many recognition shapes as possible. And it's also the reason why uh how do you say traffic signs? Traffic signs. Yes, traffic signs. Why did I have so much trouble remembering what that's called? Uh why traffic signs work in a similar manner, because if you have a traffic sign that's a different that's a certain shape, it's much easier to recognize if you don't know what colors look like. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That's I um one of the things because I know that at the moment recognizing uh like there's a certain element of like you can see obviously the ships flying around and they're they're colorful like engine trails and stuff. And when I initially set that up, I'm like, oh that'll make for a, a nice visual to like the color will help you determine like which ship belongs to which faction. And, like, obviously, they're very uniquely shaped. Um, but something I've been thinking about doing is, like, oh, here's another thing that people tend to miss, is uh, you can you can left-click or tap on the uh, the indicators for ships on the HUD and target-lock them. Hmm. And I've, I've had a lot of people not know you can do that. But anyway, uh, one of the things that I... Um, one of the things that I've been thinking about doing is having to do that. In addition to the hull and shield indicators, there'll be a little... Um, a little portrait of the ship there so that if it's really far away, you can still visually tell, like, uh, what is that thing I just targeted? Free Space 2, I remember, just straight up gave you, a, like, a zoomed-in image, but that's Free Space 2. In yeah, a I'm not going to go going quite that a, hard. I'll probably just have a little simple UI, then yeah, yeah, maybe just a, like, that. like a paper doll uh, sort of thing where it has... Actually, didn't TIE Fighter do something like that? You had, like, the silhouette of the ship that also displays the damage dealt? That's I a do have... I do already have all of the um, silhouette graphics because I went and generated a ship silhouette for the market screen. Cool, awesome. Oh, then that's so awesome. I can just worked grab those and like paste them on and throw some code together and make that work. Oh yeah, no, I think uh, X Wing did have. I did. I think Tie Fighter did have that. Um, I it, think because that's the best way of doing things: just steal ideas from things from things that worked. Well, I yeah. mean, that's that's game dev. <laughs> <laughs> that is game dev. I mean, yeah, that is correct. If it's a recognizable mechanic, then yeah, no reason not to use it. Game dev isn't at the end, like most things, about what works. Yeah, it's if it works, then it works. Uh, some of my, I've got a lot of friends who are like actual computer scientists, and I'm an engineer pretending to be a game developer. So um, a lot of times, I'll like ask them for programming help, and they'll look at my code and they'll be like, "Oh no." 
what have you done? <laughs> <laughs> there was um, the, the, the best one a while back was when I got super, super lazy and I was having this issue where like every frame, one of the scripts was losing a reference to a thing that it needed, but it didn't need that reference every frame. Okay, every, the moment in programming you say every frame is the moment something goes wrong. Well, it didn't need the reference every frame, so I just figured, you know what, I'll assign it when I need it, and I'll just throw it in a try-catch, so it'll just throw and catch the exception several dozen times a frame. Um, uh, uh, that, that's going to make it worse. I'll have you know Unity's error handler is not robust enough to make that work nicely. Yeah, and also, if memory serves right, uh, isn't Unity notoriously bad with multi-threading? There's something like that. Something to that effect. It does. It does do coroutines, and I do. I do use those a fair amount. But uh, so, fun fact: don't do a try catch and expect to catch an exception several times every frame. Yeah, don't expect most practice. things to work several times every frame uh, in <gasps> programming. Just like co- code, code and programming tends to not like that. For anyway, so I, I did go back and I did fix that, and I did actually like code it correctly. So there's there's limits to how lazy you can be as a game developer, at the very least. No, I I, I get it. I've learned. Um, I'm helping a game developer bring his game to uh, to Steam and hopefully now GOG. And I've never heard of the, some of the programming things uh, ever that he has to deal with. With, with the yeah, game is from 1989. Time to time. Yeah, the game is from 1989. So he actually brought on a whole other developer. To help him audit the code. <laughs> oh, is he? Is it like a project that he just did years ago, and he's looking to bring it to Steam and GOG now? Yeah, it, it got released. It's called Starfleet Two. Uh, I know, I know. I'm talking about Starfleet Two again. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Another one. There we go. <laughs> uh, it came out in 1989 in a horribly buggy state, horribly unfinished, horribly buggy. Ooh. And it flopped. It destroyed the company. So now he's doing it again. He started developing it back in 2018, redeveloping it, I guess. And uh, oh my god, the th- the things he's had to do to make this game work is just goddamn. <laughs> it's still we're still trying to squash a lot of the issues because it's still got some problems owing to the fact that a uh, programming a 30 year 40 old game to old. work. Oh, that has yes. a lot of co like like interlocked systems is very difficult. That's Bonus points for trying to make it also work in DOSBox. That's the other thing. Like the technical debt involved in a game with that kind of scope and that's been around for that long is Have that's you ever seen be a the fight. video of the uh what's it called? The developer comments on the, the code for Team Fortress 2? No. I have not. Okay, then I will need to show you to this as soon as possible, and that, and by that I mean immediately after podcast, because uh, it, you will f- like you having some experience, at least some experience with coding, will feel within your soul every single comment made there. Oh man, yeah, no, <laughs> that's that's going to be great after the, uh, after the show. Toss it into quarks. Oh, I absolutely will. 
One other thing that I wanted to mention, and this is just, I haven't experienced the game in mobile, but I want to. But <clears throat> keep in mind, though, some of us who are over 60, our eyes aren't as sharp as they used to be. And if the game ever depends a lot on text, it would be nice to have a way to make the text just a little bigger. Yeah, no, I'll keep that in mind. Um, let me know. If you do get the chance to try it on mobile, let me know how the font size works for you, because in my experience, it's generally chunkier than some of the other games of similar ilk on the platform, but I don't I don't have that problem myself, so I can't uh, I can't directly say whether or not it's well I will do that. And there's been several games on Switch where uh, it became a real hindrance to players because I know there's a lot of people out there that think, oh, you're over 60. You don't play video games. And <laughs> oh, sweetie, who do you think has the most disposable income? Exactly. And so, like, I feel like probably most of the people who play Eve are either in high school or retired. And so I don't know where hell I fit in then. <laughs> <laughs> it did become a thing, and there are some developers, some of the larger studios especially, that did. That's one of the things they put into the game after it was released was fonts that could be made bigger or smaller. And let me tell you, there's a few games where I couldn't play it before, but now I can because of that. Okay, excellent. Yeah, no, I'll I'll definitely... Sorry, I'm just thinking really quick about what's what's what would be involved in doing that. Um, a fair amount, actually. I'll I'll take a look at it and see if that's if that's a thing that's reasonable to do at some point because I definitely. I mean, I I understand, but that you know, by trade, I'm a project manager, so you know, and it's so I I have only coded something once in my life, and that's where someone who coded for a living was looking over my shoulder and said, now do this, now do this, now do that. And so, you know, I'm ghost coding. There's a lot of people who say, yeah, there's a lot of people who say, can you do this in, put this in your game? And the answer realistically is sure. If I want to double mortgage my house. So I understand it's not me. might not be an easy thing to do. Yeah. I'll have to look and see if that's in the cards. Um, because there's a lot of stuff that I had a bit of difficulty fitting the fonts in the existing sizes in the UI elements that I have and making it work nice with scaling and stuff. Um, so I'll look into it. I can't guarantee that it's going to be something that I can really feasibly do, but I'll at least look into it. Thank you. <laughs> so how far, I mean, you've been working on the game for five years, but you're working in it in your spare time. So how far along would you say you are? Are you still in alpha? Are you in beta? Like, where would you say you are in the development process? I would say, um, so just internally, like to myself, I've been describing, I've been dividing the state of the game into three chunks. Um, what I called the alpha was the initial. This is me building out the very base level of the game. Um, and I did so publicly. The alpha builds used to be just publicly available on my subreddit. Anybody could download them. Anybody could play through them. Anybody could throw me whatever feedback they wanted. And I got a lot of great um, great input on that. And that was, that was a super great thing for... I don't know if I'd do that again now that I have like more... 
I'm not going to say pedigree because I'm not going to pretend I have pedigree. <laughs> but um, now that I've got a bit more experience and I've got a bit more understanding of what works and what doesn't, I may not do that again. But it was super valuable when I did it. Um, and then I transitioned into what I called the beta phase, which was a couple of people who were particularly helpful or friendly or useful in the alpha phase. I'm like, hey, do you guys want to join the beta? And I gave them keys to join the uh, limited beta from Google Play. Uh, and now we're in what I'm just calling the early access phase. But really, functionally, it's an extended beta where it's just available for purchase from any for anybody. Progress-wise, so the things that I'm looking to add are one or two new ships, a bunch of new stations, a bunch of new mission types. I would like to have a storyline at some point. And that that's could something be nice. that's been requested a lot. Um, and I have some loose ideas for where I'd take that. I'm actually currently kind of thinking in the direction of not so much a single cohesive story, but a bunch of scripted like mini quests, roughly on the level of like a side mission that you find you find in most RPG games. That okay, so a slightly extended like big yeah, fair enough. Yeah, um, like a, kind of like faction quest kind of things. Right? Exactly, like each faction would have maybe a small like linear quest associated with it. Um, and there'd be there'd be one that starts off the game when you load that would re- when you start a new save that would replace the existing tutorial that I'm very much not happy with. Um, and there'd probably be one like once you've done all the rest of them that kind of wraps things up. But so we'll see how that shakes out. I'd like to do some flavor of story content, whatever that looks like. And then I've got all kinds of stuff under the hood about like I want to expand on the prehistoric alien race that's extinct that there's little little things from in the game in the current state um i'd like to expand on like to expand on that like to expand on some of the mining mechanics and things like that uh expand that a little more i would say that we're probably about 70 to 80 percent of the way done from a uh like from a mechanics to be implemented standpoint, and probably about fifty or sixty percent of the way done from a content standpoint. I find it pretty funny when you say uh, uh, it's about in early access phase because it looks much more complete than uh, some games that have a full release already. And uh, I can't, I can't uh, uh, strain this, this this more, but but it looks it looks pretty good right now already thank you yeah no that's that's something that i didn't want to start selling it for money until it was something that i was comfortable asking people to fork over five bucks for which is a lot for a mobile game so i I wanted to have it pretty polished and pretty complete feeling like like mechanically speaking in terms of like major game mechanics, storyline is about all that really needs to be done because I don't have any platform for that at the moment. Um, but in terms of content, ships, mission types, new weapon types, uh, new stations, that kind of thing that I can just build within the existing frameworks, there's there's quite a lot of that still to do. Okay. That's true. 
It's it like I said. It seems like we've all said it seems fairly complete already. I mean, it, of course, it needs some PC optimizations and whatnot, like we talked about. Oh yeah, and but, it's yeah. at least a menu that shows you the controls for crying out loud. Well, okay, I've got. Um, I can grab. Yeah, I. Uh, that's that's actually like that works now. I've got that that that's it. I did oh, that good. last night. Oh, I got good. it got it written up. I got the UI built. I connected it together. Wrote all the necessary code for it, and it's currently like there's currently in the settings screen now. There's another tab that says key bindings, and you click on that, and it's got a list of all the keys, what they currently are, and you can click on the little button and then press another button, and then it changes it to whatever you just pressed. Nice, nice. No, that sounds great. <laughs> And I, I hacked that together with. Um, I did most of this stuff using the original default Unity input manager, which is. It's got a lot of limits to it. The. Um, I think somebody on Stack Overflow actually outright said it's not possible to implement key rebinding at runtime using the input manager. <laughs> um, which is very entertaining because. It's actually not that bad. I, I just um, set up some kind of terrible wrapper class for it. Anyway, um, God, suffice want- to say, I didn't want to convert to Unity's new system because I was worried about that breaking some things. And I didn't want to... There was an asset somebody recommended that I didn't want to... It cost money. I didn't want to actually... I didn't want to buy it. And I didn't want to... Again, I was also worried that that could break things too. So I figured, you know what? I'll just, I'll just hack something enough of a level for me to use it and it'll be fine and it seems to be yeah if you want to see a master class in making a ui for for controls for a space game look at hunter net starfighter i don't know if you're aware of that one i've seen you mention it i haven't actually played it yeah for uh using a simple arrow key menu you can change all the controls on the fly while you're playing it's this game certainly looks pretty Utterly astounding. It is. Absolutely oh, it's, is. Yeah. it's very pretty, but it's also an amazing dogfighting game. And the controls, setting up the controls, I don't think I've seen it done better anywhere. So, Sweet. Uh, well, I'm adding it to my wish list at the very least. Yeah, it's... Uh, Looks it's, like I can't buy it yet. Uh, uh, you can get it through Itch. Yeah, you can... Oh, is it on Itch? Yeah, it's yes. on Itch right now, and if you, if you, da- if you donate enough money, you can get uh, the playable builds that are being built right now. Um, and it's, How did I miss this? I check, uh, I check the uh, space sim tag on itch pretty often. I love itch, but dear Lord, it's, it's like anything else. Discoverability is a major problem. And when yeah, you have, and that's it's even better than like most places, rec- but still. Yeah. When, when I, uh, when I hop it, when I tell people, they're like, Oh, where can I get it? I'm like Google play. And I also have a PC build on itch. And they're like, what's itch? <laughs> I, I usually just describe it to people as the Etsy of game development. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, what? Yeah. you know what? You know what? You know what? Yeah. That's entirely yeah. fair. Yeah. That is, that is, that is, that's probably the best way I've heard it's described. Honestly. <laughs> it's not, yeah. It's not even remotely wrong. That's the fun part. <laughs> Bosgrom <laughs> in the chat, who is making a space game. <laughs> And I think his game is on itch. He's like, there's a tag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Itch has a itch has a tag setting, a tag system, and there's there's a uh, you, there's a space sim tag. Oh, 
Although it actually looks like I currently don't have it. I'm looking at my store page right now, and it looks like I currently have it tagged as action RPG, flight, low poly, open world, sandbox, sci-fi, single player, space, and trading. (laughs) So there's no space game on that yet. Uh, uh, wonder. There is a space tag. (laughs) Prog. I mean, again. That's about half what you need. Oh my god! Yeah. Again, again, Twitch. I mean, sorry, Twitch. Itch is great, <laughs> but it needs it. There's so much stuff on. There's so that's one of the great things about it is there's everything on there. It's not just games. There's yeah. everything on there. It's a it's an amazing place. But you I've could. Got a, there's uh, a friend of mine that I'm working with to develop a tabletop game, and I would not be opposed to putting that on itch. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's absolutely. a great place for it. Yeah, they've had, uh, they've had. T- I think that didn't they have a tabletop bundle a little while back with a bunch they of. They did, they Multiple. did. It was, it was like I think it was uh, the like for trans rights or something to that effect. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, what yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was like the tabletop bundle for trans rights. And for like ten bucks, you got like a hundred or whatever, a lot of tabletop RPG PDFs. Uh, there were a lot of uh, tabletop bundles. Uh, are, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, there were a lot of tabletop. Uh, inclusions in the last couple of big bundles, the one for Ukraine, the one for uh, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, there were yeah, a lot yeah. of uh, tabletop entries in that too. That's right. I do think the uh, those bundles are bringing a lot of people who otherwise would not have heard of itch to itch because when people hear get 4,000 games from bucks, they tend to pay attention. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's wait, true. I can get how many games for $10 on what? Yeah, exactly. I'll go there and I'll pay $10. <laughs> I mean, folks, if you haven't gone to itch.io, set aside an afternoon and just get lost in there because you can get lost in there. But there's so much good stuff in there. Not quite Wikipedia lost, but close. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely, it's one of my favorite. It's it's a great storefront for, like, if you like indie games at all. Oh, God, yes. Basically, every indie PC game under the sun is on it. Yeah, just about everyone is on there. And if they're on Steam, a lot of times buying it on Itch will get you a Steam key. Not every time, but a lot of times it will also get you a Steam key. So, And one of the things that I love about Itch is on the developer side of things, it lets you set how much of the uh, how much of the money. Like it lets, You can tell Itch what their cut is. What? Yeah, yeah, it's a slider between 0 and 100, and it defaults to 10%. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, okay, I sh- I should talk to Trevor about putting Starfleet Two on itch as well. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's kind of great. Oh wow, I didn't I didn't know. I thought they just took their twenty or thirty percent like Steam and GOG did. Um, yeah, in um in the account settings screen, there's a revenue sharing page that says <laughs> you can decide what percentage of your sales will go towards itch.io. All money collected is wow. used directly for running servers, paying for bandwidth, and supporting the development of new functionality. And then there's wow. a slider, and it says, what percentage do you want to give to support it? And there's a slider, and then it says, choose a preset, and you can click a button to either set it to the default, which is 10%, or the industry standard, which is 30%. But you can make <sighs> it higher or lower than that if you want. Oh, my God. That is... Yeah. Oof. It's amazing. Okay, I'm going to talk to... Later today, I'm going to talk to Trevor, the guy behind Starfleet 2, and see what we can do about getting a Starfleet 2 oh, so, Especially since an obscure freaking Star trek space game from the 1980s. It's exactly the sort of a thing that people who browse Twitch.io for you space games would like. You know yeah, what? Yeah, it's that would is, love it. Yeah, exactly. 
That's a really good point. I never, I've been helping with this game for two or three years now. I didn't even think of that. I'm an idiot. Plus, like, <laughs> everything on itch is DRM free because it serves you the files and it's lovely. Oh. <sighs> okay, damn. Um, um, there's actually is one thing I want to ask. Uh, good. And that is world building. Uh, what were the influences and uh, inspirations for the, for your world building? In, in, in for the world building? Right. Uh, let's see. So there's obviously a fair amount of Galaxy on Fire and Freelancer in there, just a little bit like tonally. Um, there's also, aesthetically, there's a lot of star trek in the sense that like some of the font that i picked i picked because i'm like oh that kind of feels like voyager um and all of the capital ships and stuff have if it's capable of faster than light travel on its own it's got this great big alcubierre drive ring that's visible on it um and that's kind of star trek-esque in the sense that i really like the way star trek ships have very visible like drive section like oh it has warp nacelles how does it warp it uses those <laughs> um, I, I really like that from a visual design standpoint. But like the warp drive is this great big clunky visual component that's essential to just what the ship looks like. I think that's very cool. Um, in terms of the actual world, like the factions within it, um, in some sense, one of the things that I've been doing is there's a bit of 40k in there in the sense that nobody's really the good guys. Because your your four your four factions are the cartel, which are crazy pirates, um, the empire, which are crazy imperialists. Yeah, they're super xenophobic. They're super uh, unfriendly to things that are not human. So American. Um, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Never mind. Actually, the <laughs> the empire's built primarily on like they're mostly inspired by like the British Empire at its height <laughs> in the sense that the the Terran Empire likes to think of themselves as being super high and mighty and enlightened and superior to all around them and they do we have taking they the piss out they of have the... all manners of class and, Sorry, um, do we have taking the piss out the British on the bingo because if not <laughs> I think we need to add it I'm fine with taking the piss out of the British I'm fine I'm, I'm never against it I'm never against it <laughs> Um, so yeah, yeah. The empire, the empire is kind of they're kind of British Empire in space in a sense. Um, and I've got I've got all kinds of I've got some lore bible somewhere that I wrote up that has like history of each of the factions where they came. Like Earth got destroyed at some point, and the empire rose from the ashes of the one extrasolar colony that we had because it was like a gamma ray burst that just sterilized the entire solar system. Um. And you had this colony in Alpha Centauri that was, like, barely capable of self-sufficiency, and they struggled along for a very long time, and they built themselves up. And that left them culturally with, A, a very strong nostalgia and connection for the better days of their past. Uh, that left them with a strong authoritarian mindset because of how important managing resources was during that time. That left them with a... Um, and that left them with a deep distrust of everything that wasn't them. Um, <laughs> just because, well, look what the galaxy did to us before. Uh, I so don't that's, think that's the Empire. Ray has the same sentience as... 
okay, never mind. Like, they don't have to be reasonable there. No, and they're not reasonable. They're not reasonable. A lot of it's just based on a cultural attitude of paranoia of the outside universe. <laughs> um, like, very much I noticed that, yes. Uh, the IMC, the corporate faction, split off from the Empire some centuries hence, and there was this big independence war between the two of them because the IMC was it was a bunch of imperial corporations who were mad that the Empire wasn't letting them be profiteery enough. And <laughs> they fought an like independence freaking... war. They won, they escaped, and now they have a loose relationship. Uh, vaguely, vaguely interdependent, akin to one of the inspirations there was the Imperium of Man in 40k and the Adeptus Mechanicus, where they're like loosely separate, but they're interlinked in the sense that the Imperium gets all their hardware from Admech, and Admech exists within Imperial space, and um, there's a lot of there's a lot of that in there. Um, but also stuff like the East India Trading Company, I presume. Exactly like the East India Trading Company. Uh, there's a lot of that there too. Um, Milliken, the alien race, the hive mind, stemmed mainly from my desire to do. Because I got a bit sick of how in sci-fi hive minds were always relentlessly, like you know how the Borg in Star Trek want to assimilate everyone, or yep. the Tyranids in 40k want to eat everyone, and yep. I wanted to do a hive mind that wasn't just this angry swarm that wanted to eliminate everyone that wasn't them. If I were um, allowed to do comparative analysis, I'd tell you why all that is, but that's just but that's for later. Oh, I yeah no I. I'd be down to talk about that at some point, but um, effectively, part of the point of Milliken is we have this species that's biologically interconnected. The entire species is a single personality and a single mind, and that's part of why I want to do story content is because I kind of want to get into the weeds of that a bit more with Milliken's questline. Um, and Milliken just kind of wants to keep to themselves in a sense. They don't really want war per se in part because they don't quite understand the implications of what making war with an entity that isn't also a hive mind really means and also isn't them because as far because as far as they're aware there is no like there's other things that aren't them but like what are they exactly they're not like Milliken doesn't quite grasp the concept of individuality and one of the things that i want to pull on a bit more like Milliken has control of a planet in the asgard system and they just outright invaded imperial space to get it but that's partly because they didn't really understand that the empire would care about territory in any sense and like look there's not really anything on this planet there's just like a little research outpost with like a couple dozen people on it i wouldn't care if a couple dozen drones got killed I'll just glass the place and terraform it. And the Empire took rather unkindly to that. They took offense, yes. Yes. Um, and this, of course, serves to reinforce their existing biases against alien species and all that. Um, Milliken is not kindly or friendly, but they're also not outwardly hostile. It's more about like the bad things that Milliken does, because Milliken does bad things every once in a while, of course. Um, the bad things that Milliken does mainly stem from indifference. Hmm. Fair enough. Also, I have to say you picked a rather, you picked a slightly unfortunate name because I apparently have just enough dyslexia that I initially read the uh, read the name Milliken's Reach as Milkman's Reach. That's been a running joke in my community for years. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. So I guess through the power of convergent 
breeding uh, freaking inability. Somewhere in my somewhere too. in my directory, I have a joke logo that I made one year that says Milkman's Ranch. <laughs> <laughs> so wait is milk a commodity in this game and if not why not <laughs> yeah it isn't and it should be yes uh, it should be <laughs> one of the one of the other one of the other recurring memes in the community is i do have wheat as a commodity and uh there was some internal drama on the discord at one point that got interrupted by some user very very aggressively and excitedly reporting the uh um Agricultural stations did not supply the appropriate amount of wheat. They only had like five of them. And that eventually ended up devolving into this meme about like wheat being the superior, like all hail wheat, praise the wheat gods. It was it was it's extremely <laughs> Yeah, for some the, reason gaming communities tend to develop religions surprisingly quickly. It's yeah, it's, 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 it's really funny. Um there's an there's emote gets, out there. <laughs> there's an emote that gets dropped onto every single uh, update that I make that's just it's it's a picture of wheat that's an emoji now. And it gets dropped onto every single post that I make. Oh <laughs> uh, yes. The almighty your, bread. May your may your um Bountiful harvests <laughs> cover the world. <laughs> so, so yeah, clearly the uh, clearly the official the official dish of um, the official dish of Millikan's Reach is like like some uh, cream of wheat that you just like you pour some milk on it. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> okay, I love your community already, and I'm glad. Yeah, that's yeah, it's, it's, it's great. It's great. <laughs> I'm glad it's already developed a sense for shit posting. Yeah, it's it's one of those it's one of those things where it's like it's a very small and very dedicated. It's it's super fun. Oh yeah, those always develop into massive shit posters. <laughs> yeah, it's it's super fun. Yeah, I know it's the smallest small communities are the best ones. Uh, honestly, no bias at all. No bias at all. No, no bias. No bias. Uh, and it's it's super weird for me because it's like this isn't just a community for a game that I like enjoy. This is like I made this, and people are like people like it. Like, what's that? I know exactly how. So you weird, feel. right? <laughs> I know it's ex- very strange. I know it's very exactly strange. how you feel. It's like, wow, people, people like this. Okay, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you can <laughs> like gonna... it if you want. That's pretty cool, I guess. We, we we have a saying in freaking the fighting game community. We take those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we take those. <laughs> if they like it, don't complain. We take those. That's, yeah, yeah, I appreciate that's it. Right. That's right. Uh, we like when people like things. So we're about to hit the 90 minute mark. Uh, does anyone have anything else they want to add before we start wrapping up? No, outside of things we've already covered. Okay. Um, we try to keep these between 60 and 90 minutes. We used to go well over two hours and people are like, no. So we try. I'd, I'd rather not. It's 8.30 p.m. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's late for you and everything. So we're going to start wrapping up, folks. Uh Dude, uh, Andrew, right? No, no, no. Yeah, yes, yeah. Andrew. Okay, I'm terrible with names. I apologize. If I don't have it right in front of me, it just goes, woo! <laughs> I no, will don't remember, worry. Don't worry, me too. I will remember everything about a Star Trek ship, but someone's name I just met? Nope. Out the, bri- out the window. Out the ear. <laughs> I oh, dare say I know the feeling. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Andrew, I want to thank you so much for coming on uh, in the middle of the day, really, to... Um, for you to talk about uh, Milliken's Reach. Again, folks, the game is Milliken's Reach. You can get it on itch.io, itch.io, 
or uh, the Google Play Store right now. Uh, apparently, the mo- well, which version would you recommend if people have an Android phone? Would you recommend one over the other right now, or just and the mobile version? I think it plays a bit nicer. I think it's a bit smoother and a bit slicker, and it's what it was originally built for. The PC version is a port that I've done after the fact. Okay, so yeah, if you have an Android phone, uh, preferably, apparently, the Android version is the one to get. Uh, iOS is hopefully in the cards, it sounds like. Uh, so keep an eye out on that. And uh, so next week, we are very excited, my friends. I don't know how we did it, but uh, we got... Uh, what's his name? Is it Soren Johnson? Johnson? We got freaking Soren Johnson on the show next week to talk about... I know it's not a space game, but hear me out. I know it's not a space game, but hear me out. We're going to talk mostly about Old World. Now, why we're bringing him on to talk about Old World? Because we think, a lot of us think Old World is pretty much going to be the premier historical 4X game of its time and for many years to come. And so when we were given the opportunity to interview him, I'm like, yeah. But also, you know, he did Off-World Trading Company, which is spacey adjacent enough. And Anthem 4, which is very much a space game because one of the victories is a space race victory. That's right. Civ 4 has a space race victory. So we're going to say that's adjacent enough to bring him on. One more turn. Yeah. One more turn. (laughs) We're going to say that's adjacent enough to bring him on about Old World. Uh, It's a podcast we make the rules. Yeah. And uh, I forget the name of the other person we're bringing on who also works with him. Layla, thank you. Um, So we're going to be talking about old. I know it's not a space game, but just trust me that old world is is going to blow your freaking mind. It is that good. It's so it's just so good. You guys, it's so good. And so we're going to be talking about that next week Uh, and we'll see you back. Uh, on the stream tomorrow at 6 a.m. for some more uh, Super VGA Harrier. Uh, maybe I'll fly, maybe I won't. I don't know. It doesn't go well when I fly, so maybe I just won't. <laughs> but uh, but uh, thanks so much, especially we had a great chat today. Thank you, everyone in the chat, for hanging out, as Thorsten said. And we will see you back here next time. Uh, oh, and also, if you can, get vaccinated. Uh, we try and say this at the end of every stream. If you can and you haven't already, please, for the love of whatever deity you happen to worship, get vaccinated. If you worship one at all, please get vaccinated. Uh, Thank you so much, everyone. Have a great day and bye-bye.